With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, the shark bait has such teeth there. And it shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Maggie bait. And it keeps so welcome everybody to this latest episode of Macklin's Take with me, Andy Clark and Matt Macklin. Macklin, how are you this fine Sunday evening? I'm good, I'm good. Can't complain at all. No, me neither, me neither. So today we've got a episode that we've been meaning to do for quite a while. We were just kind of hoping that the four of us might all end up in the same place and be able to do this in person, but it just hasn't quite shaken out like that. And what we're talking about today is, well, it's a couple of things, really. It's it's life in the away corner. Uh, we've done this with Peter Buckley from from a good few episodes ago now. Peter was was on the circuit uh, a while back, and today we've got two people who are very much part of it currently. But it's not just about that. It's about the fact that from what I've seen over the last few weeks at some cards I've been to, the role of the away corner fighter, it looks to me like it might have changed just a little bit, the dynamic <laughs> of it seems to have changed just slightly. Uh, and the two men we've got with us, uh, our crack squad, are uh, Louis Van Poch, Pucci, as he's known, uh, one of our finest away corner fighters, uh, and his trusty cornerman, Rich Farnan. And these two have been at it up and down the country um, for a good long time now. So, gents, uh, Pucci, first of all, how did you get on last night? I know you boxed a look at your call last night. I got taught a boxing lesson last night. He was he was very good, very good prospect. So uh, one to look out for. Andre Andre Descazes' name is. I was at one of those where he he started sharp and and at it. And in that situation, you know, you know that you're possibly in for a for a hard night. Um, no, really, he, he sort of started off as as we'd expected him to do. He didn't he didn't do a lot. But what I've seen of him, he was a bit not lazy, but he liked to look for his shots rather than. Throw an abundance of shots, and that's exactly how it started. Very nice, sharp jabs. I had to keep my head moving and try and catch a few on the gloves. Uh, but then he sort of started going for the gears as the fight drew on, and then he just 
he, he, he's showed his class and he's, he's a cut above me and he's probably got a bright future in this sport. So fair play to him. I've got to say, like that—that's—that's—that's that's, um, that's some room you've got there. Just for people who listening and, and can't and can't see it, there's a very well stocked drinks cabinet just over uh, Bucci's <laughs> left shoulder, and a massive TV on the on the bare brick wall. It's uh, it's uh, yeah, that, that's that's it's, quite uh, the man cave. I'd like to take credit as if it's my face, but it's not. I rent a room off my uh, my good friend at them. Well, he's doing you proud. He's doing you proud, Rich. <laughs> <so. laughs> That makes me laugh. Rich, how are things with you? Yeah, I'm all good, thank you, mate. I've had a had a bit of a ill four weeks. Ended up in hospital for eight days, and uh, missed missed my birthday with Pooch, my missus, and a couple of other lads, which was uh, booked for Vegas, and um, they wouldn't discharge me out of hospital, and they did 24 hours after we were supposed to fly. So, so that that was was a bit. Yeah, that was just a bit of a bad time to be fair but like I, I've got over that now and um, just starting to get uh, my fitness and my strength and my health back so uh, we're back on it we're back on it still working um, you know so still on the daily job in the gym and then um, obviously out with Pooch this is in fact the first fight for Pooch last night in about six weeks because um, I think where he was sort of, kind of getting onto the point of where um, the, the the role of the journey or the wayfires you're sort of changing. Um, I think after COVID, it definitely has because there are less journeymen, UK journeymen available now. Lots of lots of lads just didn't bother to renew their licenses, didn't bother to um, you know sort their medicals back out. So um, you know the old brigade that we would see week in and week out in the changing rooms in the away corner is getting less and less now and it's a, it's a, it's a real shame because you know being in the away corner and being in the away dressing room is by far the most entertaining fun relaxed enjoyable side to be um because obviously as you know I work with a number of other fighters uh world champions and you know all sorts of others just in the corners doing cuts and whatever and some of them you know the the atmosphere or I could always say the lack of atmosphere in the change room is just horrific do you know what I mean it's yes it's a very serious sport yes you have to get in fight mode but at the end of the day you still need to be relaxed you still need to be having a, a bit of a bit about a bit of fun because you don't want to be wasting that nervous energy when you're getting into that ring to, to fight a championship fight and um some sometimes you know you see it's, it's a dead atmosphere and uh, it's, I don't like it you know I like I like to be, I worked not that long ago, I worked, um, and in fact, I'm, I'm working in his corner again this, I can see that, Pooch, I can see that. <laughs> I work in his corner again this weekend, um, you know, the cruiserweight, um, Kev Clark. Yeah. I mean, what a guy, what a guy. He was in his changing room, and for the second I got in there, to the second we we started to uh, do, do the walk to the ring, it was it was relaxed, it was funny, he, he, was, he was chilling out, he was... Just little things like like the cameras came in and he was doing the pads with with, with Sam. And just because the camera was there, he's throwing a jab and he put a right hand into Sam's belly. And like Sam's taking a deep breath, breath. the camera's on, yeah, that was great. Thanks, mate. I just walked out. Sam's on, oh, what did you do that for? He went, yeah, just see if you could take it in front of a camera. You know, just messing around. Then he get out of fight and, you know, he, he performed. So, you know, the away corner, the away dressing room is like this every single night it's one of the best places to be but you always coming on to where pooch you know first fight in six weeks because journeyman that you know since covid you know where the 50 50 fights were going on you know there's 
we're having a bit of a go these days. And a, a few of these home fighters, ticket sellers we got, are getting found out. But the problem with it is it's bad for business. You know, Pooch's, uh, apart from last night, his last two fights before that, he won both. One one on points, one with a stoppage. Mm-hmm. Didn't get any work. When my diary, apart from he's out next weekend, my diary's empty. And that's, we've experienced it before in the past where Pooch has had some wins or he stopped somebody and then the next five or six fights, uh, you know, coming up get cancelled. But my, my phone normally goes off hook. It just hasn't been ringing. Well, we'll get into that. We'll get into that because... Um... Yeah, it is interesting what I've seen over the last few weeks. Just so people know, Matt may have to disappear for a bit during the course of the the course of the podcast. He's expecting a very important call, and and, and I can divulge what it's about because it's Domino's. this is extremely Domino's. this is extremely interesting news. So we've exploited, we basically we've we base we realised we can exploit a loophole because Macklin's take technically is on YouTube. You see, we never put anything on YouTube anymore, but technically it is on YouTube. So he is therefore a YouTuber. So yeah. he is awaiting yeah, a well. call uh, and a final contract <laughs> from the Sourlands uh, to get involved in Misfits Boxing. And the agreement <laughs> oh. is, is that he's going to clean all those lads up in one night. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that's something, that's yeah. something for us all to look forward to. And um, you so, will. <laughs> <laughs> so if he, has, if, he has, if he disappears at any point, then that's why. <laughs> Poochie, Poochie, seriously, though. Um, <laughs> I was talking to John Evans about this in Doncaster, a good pal of ours, when you won uh, on that Steve Wood show and there are a couple of other away corner wins. Uh, And he said to me that he'd seen uh, an interview with Jordan Granham, um, who's another really good away corner fighter. And he said that there's something behind why this is happening more often now. And the reason is because some of the fighters who are turning pro now, particularly if they come through the uh, white collar route some who've turned pro maybe since covid or, or whatever um they're just not really good enough and that therefore away corner fighters are looking at them and thinking i can't lose to you for a couple of reasons number one personal pride you just think i'm better than you i can't lose to you we all know the drill with the away corner no one's gonna just give a fight away though that doesn't happen you know that you do your thing and it goes to the cards and it's close you're probably not going to get it and you and you accept that but nobody goes in there just to roll over and give one away so personal pride is one thing and secondly I know you lads look upon yourselves really as being kind of custodians of the sport and that, and that ultimately it's not going to do boxing any good for fighters like that who aren't really up to it to be allowed to prosper. And so that's why he was saying that people are coming out of the away corner, having a look for the first round, which you generally do, don't you? And then just thinking, I'm going to have to beat you, I'm afraid. And that's yeah. that's why we've had more away wins than, than we would get um, normally maybe the last the last two or three months, the start of this season. I mean, what, what do you, did you agree with that? What, how does that sound? Uh, maybe I, I don't know. It's different on my from my perspective. It's slightly different because um, I've, I've played the game for so many years, and I, and I, and I let the, I let everyone have the, their fair shake, and I lost fights where I could have won. And partly it was that because I've didn't live. I've not I've not lived a, a proper lifestyle. I lived the Macklin lifestyle before uh, I turned proper. I started feeling to sort myself out. I've seen the videos of you in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, I was. Uh, I've never really lived the lifestyle of an of an athlete. Like it's a very loose term, but technically, journeymen are still athletes. But I never lived um, a clean lifestyle or anything. I drank beer, I had fast food, that was concurrently being an athlete. But 
I sort of turned a corner in my life and done a lot of growing up recently and just sort of just just turned a bit of a corner with my health and fitness and it sort of started <coughs> to show the ring. So I just started showing what I can do um whilst uh whilst in whilst in the ring and uh, not letting everyone have all their own way for a change. And Matt, actually, one, one interesting thing I discovered recently is that the Border Control are now telling people when they turn pro, this might be going on for a few months, that they do actually need to have some amateur experience. I was talking to Alec Wilkie. Um, he's trained loads of fighters. Great, great bloke, Alec. Operates out of Poplar. And he was saying that he had a fighter who was turning pro, who had a lot of kickboxing MMA experience, good standard, and that they thought, right, no problem. But then they were told, actually, now... We want you to go away and at least have a handful of mm. amateur fights. Um, so maybe they've realised that the overall standard of fighters turning pro had got to a point where it it wasn't where it should be, and it, it yeah. has to remain high, doesn't it? Yeah, because of course it has to because boxing ultimately it's dangerous. You know, people get knocked out, people get hurt, so. You don't want anyone going in there that's completely out of their depth and they can tell you they've done more colours, but you don't know the standard of that. But you know they've had five amateur fights that they've had to go through a skills bout first, possibly, or the rest of it. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that's the, well, they've had five 50-50 fights because that's mm-hmm. the, the purity of amateur boxing. You know, I say it might not, be 50, might not work out as 50-50 in terms of ability, yeah. but it's a fight for nothing to be gained except so, the win for loss. They're evenly matched. As a, as a rule, they're generally evenly matched as even as they can be. Yeah, you know what I mean? They definitely think they can win or there's a, there's a chance they can win. Do you know what I mean? They're in it. You know, because even, because yeah. I know even my club coach, I heard him talking over the years when I was a, you know, schoolboy and that, that certain, it, just because someone drew someone in the championships, he'd pull them out of the championships rather than throw him in out of his depth where he gets probably yeah. beaten or stopped, disheartened and his confidence killed. Do you know what I mean? There's no, that's yeah. not, you're in, no one's in amateur boxing for that. Do you know what I mean? No, no, yeah. you know, you're not if he gets to a schoolboy final and he comes up against a really good kid and he ends up getting stuck. Well, that's the way it goes. You're in a schoolboy final. Do you know what I mean? But you're not you're not matching anyone, you know. Do, do you know what I mean? You're not throwing any no, no one's throwing yeah. anyone in the amateur game out of the depth, basically. So if you've had five amateur fights, you've boxed to a certain level already. Mm-hmm. So when you turn professional, you will you know what you're getting yourself into, you've been punched in the face. And you didn't fold over. Do you know what I mean? And you, 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 you've, you've satisfied certain criteria that should be satisfied yeah. going into professional combat sport. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you've got to, as well now, because I've got a heavyweight going through that same process. Um, he's due to have his third amateur fight um, next weekend. Um, so his first couple of amateur fights, I mean, he's done white collar, but his first couple of amateur fights, there were three twos. So this next one are three threes. And this is where, again, speaking to the board, they were sort of said, oh, yeah, you can have three or four three twos, but have a couple of three threes, then come and talk to us, put the application, because then you've obviously done three-minute rounds as well. And like you say, Matt, it's exactly that. Relatively 50-50 fights, you're not matching. You know, you're, you're taking the fights on very similar experience, um, some lads. And I do agree. I think that is very important now. So would you you know a lot more about this than, than, than me, Rich, because you go through this process um, and I and I don't. But was what I said correct, do you think, that the reason the board reverted, if you like, to saying, look, you've got to have some amateur experience is because they recognised that the standard of fighters turning over 
are dipped. Did you see yeah. that? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I've got some very good friends that sit on the board, and um, they did tell me. Um, I, th- I think it happened just just before uh, the first lockdown that um, they'd allowed X amount of fighters from the white collar scene that had got licensed. They'd had um, physical assessments and whatever. And, um, yeah, there were some that were outstanding. You know, I think, um, like, I don't think Fabio Wardley, for example, had um, any amateur experience. And he's gone, he, he's, like, like, the trend. Same with Nick Blackwell. Nick Blackwell did the same. But then Matt there was... McCallum. Who? And Matt McCallum, we boxed up in Newcastle. Yeah, gone, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah uh, but then there was a plethora of them that were absolutely useless. Um, you know, and you, you wonder how they, they 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 got their license or how they actually ever um, ended up being able to box, you know. And I think that sort of then reflected and the board re, re, reassessing, oh, hang on, we can't allow this because, again, we're, as what Matt said, we're allowing fighters to be licensed and it's a very dangerous sport. Um, and therefore, you know, the, the the health and safety of the fighter is, is the number one priority. And we're putting people in that simply aren't good enough, you know. So therefore, they, they've changed those rules. Um, it goes goes a little bit deeper. I mean, they will only recognise the amateur record if you if you boxed for England angling. Um, England boxing, sorry, because there's um, the alliance as well. They don't recognise the alliance whatsoever. Oh. So if you... If you've got uh, a, a guy that's come from White Collie, needs these amateur experience, you have to find a registered England boxing amateur club because they won't recognise it otherwise. Which again, that's fair, and that's the way it should be. And because I don't, you know, you, you can get five fights in pretty quickly if you want. If you yeah. if you're serious, you want to turn pro, and and you've got to have five yeah. amateur fights. It ain't that hard to get five quick amateur fights in. It is when you're six foot seven and 125 kilos, though, Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe I suppose that. Yeah, mm. but yeah, yeah, yeah. Because maybe, maybe you could bring it to three or something for heavyweights. Yeah, but it, this is the crazy thing because the, we we've had a lot of fights turned down for this guy that I've got because there's a lot of he- amateur heavyweights out there now that are 95 kilo. They're under 100 kilos, so they're looking at him 125 kilo and Billy Sawyer. Like, oh no, we ain't going to fight him. And you know. You are classed as a heavyweight, you know, heavyweight's heavyweight. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get it, but... I hear you, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. Yeah, it was interesting talking to Alec because he said that, that his guy, when he was made to go away and do this, he was, I think, a little bit miffed about it originally, but he went away and did it and said afterwards, actually, that was a very worthwhile um, thing to do when he did to a professional and it's gone pretty well for him so far that he was, you know, he, he recognised the value in it. Mm. Yeah, I can tell you yeah, something... So, I could tell you a little thing while I, you know, I discussed off calf before we recorded this with Andy. I mentioned to him about uh, Mark and Paul Ramsey. He, Paul Ramsey boxed under Paul Denton as a professional, and he ended up a journeyman, as did Mark Ramsey. But when they were amateurs boxing for Small Heath, which was the same amateur club as me, they were top amateurs, both senior ABA champions, both boxed for Young England and senior. Mark, I think Mark boxed. Kostya Sue in the World Championships. You know, he was a, both senior ABA champions. And when they did the the uh, they did a video on how you know teaching boxing, the England thing, that the footwork they used on the video was was Paul Ramsey. You know, these were two top England internationals as amateurs, travelled the world, um, boxed in tournaments, all the rest of it. So, but you know, that they turned professional. You know, they didn't leave Birmingham. There, there was, at the time, there was probably really no one. 
in Birmingham. Except, well, the, what was the Lynches? Maybe they, I don't know why they didn't go with them, but they ended up probably, I think Pat, that was it, Pat Benson, my club coach, was good mates with Brendan Ingle. So he brought them up to Brendan Ingle. Yeah. So they signed over with Brendan Ingle, managerial contracts, but they never left Birmingham and moved up to Sheffield. So they just stayed training with the amateurs at Small League Boxing Club with their amateur coaches. And then, and then you know, the Ingles would just do their corner on a night. So I suppose yeah. the Ingles only put it, put in what they put in and everyone up there. So they probably didn't spend the time. So anyway, they got a few wins, whatever. And anyway, got beat, got beaten in fights. They probably shouldn't have got beaten in or took, took a short notice or whatever the reason was. But they get a loss and they get a second loss. You know, now they're not boxing. They're not on TV. They're not earning big money. Do you know what I mean? These guys aren't earning big money at the time. And then before you know it, they're at Nobby Nobsies. But, yeah, and, yeah. But, he, but he, do you know what I mean? But but even at that, but even at that, when they were at Nobbies, you could, they were like, they were dangerous journeymen. I wouldn't even call them journeymen. They still hadn't gone, quite gone into journeyman mode. They were, like you said, we said before, these were people that all their lives were used to winning. A man that has achieved that much in yeah. amateur boxing as they did has got ego, he's got pride. You know, no matter how much yeah. he's parked his pride along the way, that pride can resurface yeah, so, yeah. on any given night in front of loads yeah. of people where a man throwing shots at you, bang you and you think, yeah. nah, you're trying to, you know, he could have given him a bit of attitude in the ring walk, in the introduction, and he might have thought, what, you think you can do that to me? Don't think so. He could have easily, any, that man that's been a successful amateur boxer, that's won titles, that's boxed for England, that's got enough pride like that, he could easily think that on any given night. Yeah. Maybe, maybe even hit him on the break. He could think that. Do you know what I mean? So they 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 stayed springing. They stayed at a certain level of a journeyman for quite a long time, and probably took a lot of punishment because of it as well. Because they got involved, they did take fights at forty eight hours notice, gave away X amount of pounds because they think, well, he ain't that good, and I can I can took I can tuck and tuck up and get through it. And or, 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 if, or if he's not that good, I might spring the upset. So yeah. they ended up in fights where they took a lot of damage. Do you know what I mean? But like I remember, I remember Paul Ramsey. I remember Mark Ramsey boxing Ricky Hatton because I knew Ricky Hatton was. He was about four years older than me. And when yeah. he was in the junior ABAs, and we, uh, I remember going down there with Small Heath, and everyone was like, everyone was talking about this guy Richard Hatton, and I didn't know who he was. I'd never heard of him until this day, but everyone was raving about him. Anyway, bang this geezer out in about. 30 seconds in his fight, <laughs> done the same in the junior ABA final. So we followed him, we went to the World Juniors, went to one of the senior ABA's first year, and we followed him. So followed him all, all the way through. So he was about five and oh, and they matched him with Mark Ramsey. Now, nobody was five and oh, was fighting Mark Ramsey at that time. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mark Ramsey yeah. probably could have, could have possibly beaten the British champion on his night yeah. at that time. So no one at five and oh was fighting Mark Ramsey. Anyway, Ricky Hatton boxed him, dropped him twice. One on points, yeah. but dropped yeah. him twice. Because I remember when uh, we obviously there was, you know, there was no um, internet or nothing, or, or not even internet, but there was no, you know, mobiles or anything <laughs> like that, or Twitter or anything. You know what I mean? You weren't getting, you only got the results like when I went to the gym and you seen Paul Ram, you know, and he said, "I oh, had to get, how did Mark get on or whatever?" And he goes, "Now he got, he got beat, got put down twice." 
And it was like, he was like shocked. Yeah, you know, really I told cool, you that happened, but I told you that happened was good. And he was like, not just shocked, pissed off. You know what I mean? So anyway, next, so, so, I don't know, a few weeks pass, a few, you know, he gets a few more wins happen and he gets the phone call. Paul Ramsey does, Paul Denton as a pro. And I remember him calling up the gym saying, oh, they've offered me a fight, that fight with, uh, um, with um, Patton. I said, oh, are you going to take it? I said, when, he said, yes, I'll take it, but I want a few weeks' notice. So they got a few weeks' notice, and it was that 10, I think it was 10 stone, one and a half, something like that. And uh, anyway, it goes down. And um, so we had a few weeks' notice. And, and he, he ticked over anyway. Do you know what I mean? He did tick yeah. over. But, like, he wouldn't have been training, like getting up at six in the morning or anything like that. But he'd gone to the gym every night and, and done, you know, four or five bags or something. Do you know what I mean? A few shadows, a bit of skipping. So they stayed in relative shape. So anyway, this fight comes along, obviously, and uh, I know that same night. Like, my mate goes to him, uh, comes in. I go, ah, oh, Paul's Paul's boxing, been off at the Hatton fight. He's going, he's boxing Hatton, and uh, my mate's going to me, ah, oh, fuck yeah, he's lethal, he's on about Hatton. <laughs> and Paul, Ram- and, and Paul Ramsey's going, yeah, I'm fucking lethal too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyway, obviously, Ricky fought him and stopped him, didn't he? I think six rounds, stopped him in the sixth, got 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 a cut, but you know. That, that was a torrid six rounds for Ricky Hatton. Like he did, Ricky yeah. won all the rounds. But Paul, I remember Paul just missing with an uppercut. He nearly hit the fucking lights. Even he hit Ricky Hatton with that uppercut, it was a proper <laughs> high yuking. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. He wasn't, he weren't just surviving. <laughs> he was throwing punches with bad intentions. He was, you know, we wanted to win. So, yeah. you know, that, that was a book. But you need people like that because as much exactly, as exactly. as much as if you're a promoter, a matchmaker, you want you want your prospect winning the fights, obviously. But at the same time, if we're not going to keep investing money in this kid just to get him to a padded twenty or no to find out he can't fucking yeah. fight, yeah. that's a complete he's, waste of investment. You know what he's I mean? They're, 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 really? This is all right. This is a top kid. He's done this as an amateur. We've given him a good deal. We're paying him a lot of money. We want to make sure our fucking money's being justified along the way. And every now and then, like we're, we're building him steady, but every now and then we want a little, we want to just check. Are we still, is this right here? Is this where he's at? Or, or can we actually, can we move him quicker? Is he ready for titles now? All right. Fucking he's chinning everyone. He's stopping them. Let's step him up. So people like the, the Ramses, the what called them a journeyman at that stage wouldn't be accurate. There were gatekeepers to a certain level, to the next level, right? Do you know what I mean? But later on in their career, they became journeymen. Yeah, yeah let's exactly. let's let's bring bring Pucci in here because um, you're nodding along to what Matt was was saying there, Pucci. And looking at your record, what I find interesting, and I see this quite a lot, is that by the look of it, you started in the home corner, won three of your yeah. first four, and then you switched to the away corner. Now, Matt was talking about pride there and fighters who will still want to win and you want to get a win whenever you can get one. But the other side to that coin, and Rich touched on it earlier on, is that you want work. You want to fight as much as you can, which means that you have to kind of square your pride with the fact that you're not really supposed to win. And that, for a highly competitive person, which you definitely are, that Mm. how do you make that adjustment? Um, well, I, 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 I turned pro. I won my first, my, my debut. I just straight by. Um, it was quite. A, I probably got the home decision if I'm being perfectly honest with myself. It would have been fair. Um, then I lost my second fight. Um, 
That's a really, really bad night at the office. I was still quite raw as a pro at this point. I lost my second fight. And then I took a late notice fight um, up in London. It's the first fight that Rich done my corner for, actually. It was my third fight. And um, I, I won. I boxed the kid's head off. I battled him. I probably should have stopped him, but I, but I won every round. Um, yeah, and then uh, and then I was like, why am I running around like a blue-ass fly trying to sell tickets when I can just rock up at the York Hall on a Saturday and fight? So that's 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 when I that's when I said um, to Keith Mayo, who was managing me at the time. I said, "Don't, I'm not going to do many home shows. I'm gonna, if the phone rings, take them. But I'm not a journeyman. I'm not a journeyman. I can't emphasize this enough. I'm not a journeyman. I'm coming to win. So at this point, I'm I'm two and one. So I've got a good 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 record on paper, but I've lost the fight. So there's vulnerabilities there, and people will will take the fight." But then I'd, I'd get on the wrong end of the, of, of the decision a couple of times and I'd get a bit disheartened. And then um, I got a phone call, I think about 10 days notice to fight Curtis Woodhouse um, at the Hull Ice Arena on a matchroom show. I was like, this, this is my big break. Like, this is where I roll the dice now. So if I, if, I can win my, if I can win this fight or get something out of it, then I might be able to push on if everything goes my way and if I, if I start living the lifestyle properly and all that sort of stuff. Um if I don't win it, my stock rises, I put up a good fight, then we go on the journeyman route and then we go from there. Obviously, as the fight turned out, I ended up losing that on put on points, but I made a good account of myself. Probably won the first two or three rounds, um, cut him. Um, it was it was a clash of heads, but um uh my guy Andy call it a punch, so I'll take that. But um uh yeah, and then uh but he put me down in the fifth round with a cracking body shot. But I just showed that I've got a lot of heart. I got up and I, I managed to get myself, fiddle myself for the sixth round. And my stock rose from that. And that's why I thought I'm a journeyman now. But it probably wasn't until my, that was my eighth fight. It wasn't until my tenth fight that I turned up thinking I'm a journeyman. I'm just here to get through this fight now. So and then ever since my tenth fight, that's been my uh, my mentality until fairly recently, really. And Rich, from, from your side, when, when you're looking after an away corner fighter, uh, as discussed, they're still competitive. He's still, you know, particularly recently, he wants to win. And how do you go about deciding? There must be some fights that you turn down. Is the short question I, I could ask because yeah. I remember talk, I remember sitting next to the pair of you at York Court, probably about four years ago. I'm sat on the left, Pucci's in the middle, you're on the right hand side, and I think Boazzi had a long term pro. And Pooch, you turned around to me and just said, I wouldn't mind a crack at that Boatsy, you know. And just over your shoulder, Rich just shook his head at me as if to say, <laughs> I'm not letting that happen. Because he, you know, yeah. these lads will fight anyone, yeah. won't they? And you've got to, you, the juice yeah, of yeah, yeah. is with you. Yeah, well, look, look, at the end of the day, Pooch, and he won't mind me saying this, would be his own worst enemy if probably didn't have me to manage him because he will fight anybody, like literally anyone. And he did it once. And I don't think you ever did this again, Pooch, did you? When um, he volunteered himself to fight Joe Pickford. And now, bearing in mind, Joe Pickford was a good couple of weights lower than what Pooch is. And I went, no fucking way. He went, nah, that'd be fine. He's going to be at middleweight. I went, absolutely fucking not. No, 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 I'm fighting him. I'm doing it. I'm doing this. Mate, he's dangerous. He ain't going to be as big puncher as what he is at welterweight. I went, he is. Trust me, I'd had him in the gym sparring Kelvin Young at the time. Anyway, we, we ran with it and... Didn't work out too well, did it, Pooch? Well, I, 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 I took the I, I volunteered myself late notice and cut a lot of weight, so it's hard to give a proper parameter on that fight. But he did crack hard. He he, he didn't knock me out, but he, he, no. the referee found a way to stop it quickly. 
I think it was yeah. the end of the, well, just right at the end of the first round and the ref was like, yeah, oh, you, you, know. you, you sat against the ropes and you know, I remember you looked at me and just kind of shook your head and went, oh. <laughs> well, yeah, um, I dodged but that, too but, much weight too quickly. Yeah. But, I, knew, but, but, I, knew them, I knew now how to cut weight that, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and that was the thing, that's what I mean. He's, he's one of the bravest men you'll ever meet. He'll say, he won't say no to anybody. But it, it needs me at times, like you say on the Boatsy thing, that's me at the times that puts the sense of word on for him. We don't need that work, you know. And we've been there a few times, you know, certainly in the early days, we used to get off of quite a lot of fights on on the matchroom shows and Frank Warren shows and that. And like 99% of the time, you're getting in with highly skilled like killers. And like when you've been there a few times and you realise that, you realise also you don't need that work. You know, we can go on a, a small all show and earn the same money and have a much much easier night. You don't need to be in yeah. front of a in, in front of a camera in a stadium or whatever. You know, so you've got to pick your fight. Mark Ramsey, Paul Ramsey, uh, Howard Clark boxed all Frank Warren. You know, it was Frank Warren back in the day with, with my time. They on front, yeah. you know on the television shows Frank Warren prospects. You know, and, and Barry Hearn, not on Matchroom. So though the two on TV, you do you seen Paul Ramsey? You seen um, Mark and Paul, and you've seen Howard Clark on there quite a lot, boxing Frank's prospects. And, and you've seen them spring the odd upset, do you know what I mean? But you've also seen Brian Coleman and Peter Buckley. In fact, you've seen them more often. You've seen them on every single show because they'd only put the prospects in with Mark and Paul and Howard Clark when they're at a certain level. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Well, you, you, put, you give Peter Buckley the first, the pro debut a lot of the time. Or a second, because because Peter Buck and, and by the way, I I remember seeing up being in the gym years ago, and I remember I was still boxing amateur. Buckley was very much he was on telly every week. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> in the away corner, and I remember seeing a poster of Peter Buckley um, uh, in one of the gyms about a show at the Tower Ballroom. He, I think he was topping the bill, or, or it wasn't. Top, it might not have been topping the bill. He was maybe. But he, he was featured on the card anyway, and he was up and coming prospect, eight and zero. Oh, do you know what I mean? So yeah. somewhere down the line, Peter Buckley had ambitions of where he could. But once he realised he wasn't going to get, you know, and he got a few losses, and then he probably realised actually I can make a few quid here, and I can yeah. box every week. And these prospects aren't that good. Some of them are, you know, and, and I'll just survive. If they, you know, if I can, if I can nick a win here and there, I will. If not, I'll just survive. And yeah. So he learned how to survive, do you know. He didn't take beatings, Buckley didn't. Do you know what I mean? Because he'd 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 surrendered to that to that position to his role. But and I'd Ooh. say, uh, uh, you know, and, it, and Howard Clark too. They were good amateurs. Do you know what I mean? They they would they would have won a lot. Well, Mark, We've had that. I, I remember Rob McCracken saying to me when I was still amateur about turning professional. We were talking about it. And he said to me, he goes, you know, he was trying to explain it's hard, it's different. He said, I thought Paul Ramsey was going to be a professional world champion. When he was boxing for Young England, he was knocking people out. He said he was made for the pros and he didn't yeah. and he didn't do it. So he, he was telling me, you know, how hard it is and that and, and everything. But, you know, what I'm saying is, I've got to, what I'm trying to say, Paul, Paul was an <laughs> achiever. He was a winner. Do you know what I mean? And Mark, they found it hard losing. Even though they were taking these fights, they knew they knew the role, they knew the geek. But Rick, they would have they wouldn't have liked losing. Do you know what I mean? Like, like what we were saying though about the 
get getting on to certain certain opponents at certain stages and like skill sets that Pooch has. I mean, when you go through like his box show, you can see who he's for. I mean, fairly recently during lockdown, we didn't actually get a lot of work, but we did get a call for one, and that was um, Carol Atuma. Now, I think um, Atuma just come away with a gold medal from the Junior Olympics. Didn't know a huge amount about him. And I was I was probably a little bit more nervous about that fight than what Pooch was. Um, but he was like, ah, don't worry about it. And as it happened, when I got to the hotel, I tested positive for COVID. So I had to, send, I had to be sent home. So I had to watch it on TV. And it was, obviously, it's the Tuma's um, debut. And watching it on TV, Pooch made it look easy. And then you look at what he's done, Carol's done since. I think he's virtually knocked everybody out since. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like, Pooch made that look an easy night's work. We had another one, um, Shaquille Thompson. He was he was being dangerous. We took the fight, made it look easy. Um, we could, we took uh, the fight last minute on the Friday to go and fight John Doherty. And this is when I think Doc had knocked everybody out apart from Daryl Sharp. I remember that. Uh, I remember that. I remember thinking that was a yeah. big shout because the Doc could, could whack and he and he and he yeah. loved and he just loved and, punching people. And yeah. he did. He, he, he whacked yeah. and caught Pooch with a good one in the first round, but then it didn't. I think it might have you a little bit, but but it didn't hurt her, Pooch. And then after that, he actually made it look again quite easy. And in fact, I think it was like the fifth or sixth round, Pooch whacked John a few times with some shots, and we know the doc was good. And who was the other geezer that um it was a Frank Warren show, really tall fella. Um Shiraz, not Hamza Shiraz. Oh, Umar Sadiq. No. Umar Sadiq. Another one, didn't know anything about him. And he came out and he looked like seven foot tall. It's quite Pooch got a real funny picture of like Sadiq like just towering above him up after the fight. And again, during that fight, I'm watching I'm watching that fight, and like there's a massive size difference. And somehow Pooch couldn't miss him with the overhand right. And he kept landing that. Again, he made it look easy. And you know, and these guys, I think Sadiq went to fight for the British title against Zach Chelly. And you know, a lot of these guys have gone on to like achieve a lot. And like <laughs> Pooch's where the skill set comes in, you know, there's there are certain fights that we took where you kind of think, well. And he's performed absolutely superb. And then you'll get the odd name that I get thrown at. Oh, do you find... so I remember Eddie Muscat. He tried matching Pooch through me with Denzel Bentley so many times. Ah, oh, Pooch would be fine with him. I'm like, mate, he's like six and zero and knocked everybody out. Ah, but Pooch, now nah, I'm not having it. Then next month, ah, oh, Pooch want to go and fight Denzel Bentley. He's now nine and zero with nine knockouts. No, mate, we're not taking that work four or five times, isn't it? And then look what he's just gone and done the other week. He's just like. That's why we never go in the room with Denzel Bentley because yeah. you know you you got to know the game as as well because you know like I say Pooch would have gone no I'll fight him no I'll fight him but it's that's my, when you need and it's miles on the clock isn't it we, you know we you, we mentioned it about the unlicensed yeah, yeah. boxing there and, and, and amateur boxing boxing yeah. fucking dangerous yeah you know I, I've I've seen boxers I've seen journeymen who who had hard fights. You know who are beat up now. They've you know they've took a lot of stick. You know it's real, and it the damage that boxing does. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So like, what's the point going boxing someone way out your depth who's got an absolutely yeah. not fucking lumps out here? <laughs> you know I don't want I don't want I, I, I don't want I'm not that desperate for fifteen hundred quid either. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you, you want to make money and you, you want to take these fights and, you you know, if you can nick a win, you'll nick a win and you'll, you'll be competitive. If, you're, if you know you're out of your depth and that he's a good boxer, you'll tuck up and survive and get through it. But you're not going to go, you're not going to throw your kid in there against someone who's a fucking killer. 
exactly. And that, and that's just it. And it's a case of like, I mean, we had discussion a, a few few years years a few years back, and like Pooch understood. It's a case of we don't need that fight because guarantee my phone will ring for the same night for a small hall show for a lad that's like two yeah. and one. You know, and like wow, you can right, choose well, fights, don't you? Yeah, you have yeah, to because that's the only way. That's, that's why he's he's uh, under You got longevity. Yeah, and that's why he's under and seventy fights, and he's got all his faculties. You know, exactly. he's, he's, he's absolutely. <laughs> that's why you know that's, that, that's why that's why it has to be that 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 partnership because if you're taking an away corner fighter if you're taking a fighter on the road like you lads need to be you need to know more than anyone else really because people will look to try and take advantage of you you need to know everything about every opponent okay. every manager every promoter every matchmaker everything um, so yeah. Pooch just like you, so you've you've taken a fight. You and Rich have agreed that this is a good fight for you to take. Uh, it's a suitable opponent. You know, when that first bell goes, is it fair to say that that opening round is is pretty crucial in determining what you're going to try and do? Will you have a look in that opening round, and if they're really sharp and good and on point, you'll think to yourself, like last night, okay, this is probably one of those nights where I won't be a hero. I'll just get through it. Other times, you might see something and think, mm, okay. Okay, you know, maybe yeah. this might be a night where I win. Well, yeah, yeah, I suppose so. You can normally tell as um you can normally tell in the first round or, or at least in the first minute of the first round what the sort of tail of the fight's gonna be. Like, especially with the amount of experience I've got now, there's nine out of ten I've seen it all before. So you can sort of think back to your prior experience and call up on that. Um but gen but generally you can sort of figure out how how these guys are gonna fight. Most people fight in a rhythm. If they've got a favourite combination that they'll, they'll 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 put together, or but usually it's just have a little look at them, see what their rhythm is, um, see what their favourite shots are, see where they see where they do carry power if they carry power and if they're sharp. Like you said last night, the kitty the kitty was a level above me from from the opening seconds of the fight, so I was like head on, stay sharp, stay switched on, just watch what's coming coming my way, and just focus on my defence and try and catch him where I can. Um, but then again, like you, you was there for uh, Bradley Bradley Cousins fight, and um, I just I, I went into that fight with a good mindset. I knew I'd probably had the beating of him, um, but I, again, just took it to the first round. I just put the pressure on him to see how we see how we how he dealt with the pressure, and it turns out he didn't really deal with it very well. And he sort of got a bit frantic, and that's why I knew I had the beating of him. So I just up my work rate. Because I've been in the gym myself recently, and like I said, just a bit, bit more healthy with my lifestyle. I knew I had the gas tank to do it myself, so I just drowned. Drowned him is the is a probably a good phrase to use, and then took him into deep waters and drowned him. What well, What's the latest? What What's the very latest notice you've had? You've had for a fight, do you reckon? Um, but there's Doherty for, for me. But yeah, the, for me it was the John Doherty fight. I was I was I was working. Um, as a lift engineer at the, at the time, and uh, and um, I was meant to be fighting Liverpool, so I rang Rich and said, uh, "What time are we weighing in tomorrow in Liverpool?" Because oh, I'll just ring so and so and see what time it's starting. Um, he rings me back and goes, "Oh, they pulled out. They pulled out weeks ago. No one told us about it." I was like, "Ah, forget it. I'll have a week off. I could do a week off anyway." Um, so driving home, stop at Burger King. <laughs> stop at Burger King. I was planning my first pint when I get back to Bristol. So what am I going to have? When am I going to go? And then um, he goes, whatever you're doing, stop it. We're on the plane. 
we're on the plane first thing in the morning, we're going to Newcastle. You're stepping in against Doherty. I was like, so oh, I, yeah. I, I, when that when we got told, well, when I got told uh, the this fight in Liverpool pulled off, nobody bothered said anything, and I just dropped a couple of messages. I dropped one to um, I can't remember who it was now, Matchroom at the time, and when uh, and uh, the Matchroom one came back to me immediately and. Your time is impeccable because John was supposed to be fighting. I think it was Ryan Kelly, and Aston, Ryan Aston, uh, Ryan Aston, and he was on the scales when the border control rang them and said, "Get him off the scales now." Um, he's failed his brain scan, so literally weighed him in off the scales. As that had happened, my, my text message had gone through, and they rang me straight and went, "How quick can you get to Newcastle? I got a fight for you." And then we negotiated the person being last minute or whatever. And then I've got older poo straight away. So we got to get back. We got to get on a plane. We got to be in Newcastle tomorrow morning. So we got on a plane and flew up and got. So yeah, it was it was literally twenty four hours, probably just less than twenty four hours. Now. No less, less than that. But there, I know stories. Um, like Johnny Greaves has got a good one where he's uh, he's turned up to to watch or do someone's corner or something back in the day. Um, promoters ran out. Oh my god. Have you got your shorts? Because no, but I remember message. She'll bring him down, and then she get gets down, gets changed, gets in the ring. That's that's that, that's how that's how short a notice you can get for the the way corner. Sometimes you can get months. Sometimes you can get uh, a couple of hours, and there's there's literally no contrast. As well as like the no contrasting is uh is one I use a lot when I'm talking about the away corner. Is uh one weekend you're in the O2 Arena on an Anthony Joshua undercard. The week after you're in a abandoned rugby club in Hull. Do you know what I mean? So We've been there. There's literally no contrast into, into being in the way corner. It, it's a funny old place to be, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, I remember. I remember the first main event I did for Sky was Anthony Corolla, Derry Matthews and Oldham and Sid Razak was on the card. Well, I didn't think he was. And I was quite nervous about the whole thing anyway. And I'd kind of been yeah. obsessing about this card for weeks. And I got there on the night and, and I see Sid Razak and immediately just think, what the fuck are you doing here? You're not supposed to be on this card. You know, and I had a panic. Yeah. And um, yeah. it turned out that he was at a wedding reception around Birmingham where he's from about three o'clock in the afternoon, got a call. Someone's pulled out. Can you come? He had his kit in the boot, drove up there, put him on first at about five o'clock, Peter Buckley cornering him, did the four rounds, went home and pretty much just picked up his drink where he left it. You know, it was, yeah, yeah. It was you know, I, and, I, and I love that stuff. I absolutely, I absolutely yeah. love it. Um, I used to sparse it uh, Razak all the time, you know. Yeah. Every night when I, was, when, I was four, when I was 14, 60 kilo. Um and then and then and then and then Seamus, my brother, sparred him uh years after when he was gonna turn pro. Uh, he, yeah. he, he didn't in the end, but Sid, Sid was tough, man. Yeah. He was just finishing yeah. as I was starting. So yeah. uh I sort of caught up. I was in the pro. I was in the pro circles before, like years before I turned pro, because um, uh, a friend of mine from Lydney, where I grew up, uh, Chris Higgs was a pro, and so Sid Razak was in on the circuit then. So I used to knock about with with Sid, um, uh, D Mitchell, uh, yeah. Daniel, D Mitchell, yeah, all those yeah, sort of guys. Sort of guys, I sort of learned, sort of figured out what the the other side of the corner was, the other side of boxing was when. When I was learning about the the program, it's funny you know you mentioned D because D Mitchell was when I when I um when I left Billy Graham and I had a couple of camps with Buddy out in Buddy McGurk out in Florida, you know from a cost point of view it wasn't really stacking up for the time and everything and the fights was that what I was earning so I thought I'll try I'll try Birmingham you know so I went up to Richie's 
to do a fight with Richie Woodall. But Richie, the first fight, Richie was away in Beijing. He just did. The, he just come back the week before and did the corner. But then the next fight, we did a camp. So I was training with all those guys, you know, like Dee Mitchell and all them. And I spar with Dee. I remember yeah. thinking, you know, I remember thinking he had more ability than what he used to show on the night. Do you know what I mean? I used to remember saying yeah. to John Pig, you know, Dee's all right. Like, he's, you know, he's got he, Dee's got talent. Do you know what I mean? We spar. He's pretty good. And um, I don't know, on the night of the fight, he just, he, 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 we were a different person. And, and John yeah. used to say, yeah, he said, if we, could, if we could only do in the ring what we get, what he does in the gym, he said, but I don't know what it is. He just, he just, he just goes down so many levels. It's you know? the way for mentality. It takes over you in the end. And you just, you, you, once you figure out how, how the sport works, you can, it just gets a bit draining and you just end up just falling into that, that routine of you just turn up every week. Do a do bare minimum. I did the bare minimum for years. For years, Rich used to bollock me in the corner. Come on, help your work rate. Do something. But I just couldn't bother. <laughs> that, that was the long and short of it. I couldn't be bothered. So, but, uh, but, go on. Sorry, Rich. I'm interested to know what it's like when you get that late call for a big show, like like the Doherty one. It will have happened to you on on other occasions, I'm sure. Because again, this is a this is a point where. You know, you need someone like you or, or John Pegg or, or or one of the other guys who they they know what the crack is because the big promoter with the TV <coughs> show and this isn't a criticism of them. It's just it's just how the world works. They will want you to do what they want you to do. It's as simple yeah. as that. And what yeah. you've got to make sure is that you don't have a situation where you get their way in. If the opponent weighs in, and it turns out he's a stone heavier than you, and they just haven't told you. And then there's yeah. money and there's all sorts of things. Well, so it's not just, yeah. it's not the manner from heaven. It might appear to be getting the call from, from Eddie to go yeah. and save the day on a matchroom show. It's got to be right. Yeah, it, it has got to be right. I mean, this one, I've never ever taken a fight without speaking to Pooch or any of the other fighters and also letting them know what the purse was. They offered us good money for the docky fight being last minute as well. Um, but also where I've been, you know, I've, I've been been in the game a lot of quite a long time now, you know, so over ten years, and it's to the point where it, it happened to us the other week. To be honest with you, when um, Pooch, Pooch, we were matched with um, a lad at um, I can't remember what way it was, say 12, 12 eight or something else like that, and um, they changed they changed the fight the fight week. Somebody pulled out, gave us a new fight, agreed to wait, had it in text, and this kid. He, Weighed in at sort of 13 2, 13 4, and literally I stood there and went, Absolutely fucking not, no, ain't happening. No one all went into panic. I said, Well, at this moment in time, you're either going to pay us X amount or just give us our expenses and X amount, and we go home and you lose a fight. And like lots of more in- inexperienced, I would say, sort of people wouldn't kind of do that, wouldn't have the ball. I have no problem with doing that. I'll turn up if the turn. The- Terms and everything turned right against us, and they try decision us. Quite happy, we get in the car, and we're going. Don't care, you lose a fight, and everything else like that. Now that kid stole a shitload of tickets. You know, we we just weighed in at three, four o'clock in the afternoon. You're very unlikely to get an opponent at this stage, especially nowadays, and do that. So I'm in the car. We'll we'll turn around and go home. Look, we've never had to do that, but it's a case of that's that's it. If if you have to dig your feet in, because otherwise, again, it's it's the health and the safety of your fighter. And if the other aspects start coming in that are, that are weighing even more against you, you are either getting compensated financially or you get in that car and you go home because it's just not worth it. I mean, we we had a very weird experience a few years ago, and um, we actually ended up pooch fought him. 
recently in, in yeah. September and stopped him out. It's uh, Derek Renfrew. So we turned up. It was a Robert Lloyd Taylor show in, um, was it High Wycombe or Beaconsfield or somewhere? Maidenhead, I thought. Or something like that. Yeah, it might be Maidenhead. So we, we turned up. The fight, fight was agreed. We got told it was a six-rounder. Uh, Wait agreed. So we, we turned up quite oddly because uh, I think we got caught in traffic and we were a little bit late for the way. And the kids sat in the waiting room waiting for us. Like, oh, thank God you've turned up, blah, blah, blah. We didn't think you was going to come. So don't worry about that. So Wade and Lev think it's okay. We've gone out to have a look at the ring and we end up chatting to an inspector. And one of the inspectors said, oh, yeah, you're... We were on first or second, and they said it's yeah. a four rounder. Well, ah, it's a six. And they said, ah, it's, it's, we got it down the, from the board. It's four rounds. And we're like, okay, okay. Four, yeah. yeah, I'm not not worried about not worried about that. That you know, Roberts, he was there. He said, no, we'll um, we'll still pay you the six round money. It's absolutely fine. But this kid, our opponent, just lost the plot. Just couldn't handle it. Threw every toy out of the pram. Refused to fight. So, oh, I'm not gonna... <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Oh, I'm not going to fight no, no, no. A, a four rounder. It's a six rounder or nothing. You're like, we, we might as well do a four. You've got to fight this. I'll never. And he left the venue. Him and his parents and that. Venue. They just walked out the venue. And we were like, we was like shell shocked. You're like, what, what's going on? So did you get paid then? Yeah, well, yeah. the fact Rob, Robert Lloyd Taylor, Diamond of a Giza, paid us full purse. No, no questions whatsoever. Full purse. We went home. We we drove back to Swindon and went. The Nielsen's had a Swindon show. We went and just watched watched other boxing that night. Yeah, 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 well. <laughs> that yeah. was the easiest. That was the easiest night's work you ever had. <laughs> it was. Ironically, we got. I took took a fight for Pooch at the beginning of September against Ed Renfrew, and Pooch just beat the hell out of him and stopped him in the uh, knocked, fifth round. Knocked him out in the fifth round. No, knocked him out of the fifth round. <laughs> So it was a, you know, so it's well. I'm wondering, did what what amateur club did you box for? So I boxed for Lindy Boxing Club in the Forest of Dean. Do, and do you still train there now? No, I've I've moved out of Lindy a long time ago. I trained there for well, I just took over there when I first turned over. But I trained out of uh, St Joseph's Newport, Tony Borg, for a bit, and then and that's when I met I met Rich shortly after. I've just been hopping about ever since. So what do, what did you do? What kind of training do you do now? I just took I mean, over. Train every day. Yeah, well, the, lately I have been. I've been uh, like I said earlier. I've turned over like a bit of a just started being a bit better with consistency in the gym. Um, so yeah, just sort of run on the treadmill or go out for a run, skip, hit the bag, do some groundwork. Pretty, 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 pretty uh, usual stuff. But nothing too intricate. Just would you would you hit the bags every day? Not the toilets every day, especially these days. I've had some problems with my shoulders. Yeah. Um, yeah. And box, day, box one day, run one day, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Just try and stagger it. Just keep myself interested because I get tedium with training. I fall in yeah. and out, of, in and out, in and out of love with boxing loads of times. Yeah. And a lot of it's to do with the training because I get tedious. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm I, just I curious, to wondering, like yeah. you know, doing your boxing quite regularly, so you're quite fit anyway. I'm just oh, yeah. trying to. Wondering, just curious, what kind of training you did? I've actually joined um, like a like a, a hit place. It's called Tribe. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're they're really good. They're like forty five minute hit, and it's all about keeping you in the sweat zone for forty five minutes. It's really good, and it's so much better than just punching the punch bag on my own for half an hour. Yeah, and it's and I sweat ten times more, so I really enjoy doing that. Okay, so we we won't keep you last too much longer. We'll do. We'll we'll um. We could we could easily do another one of these. With, uh, one of these in person with 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 you two would be great. Um, <laughs> but I know that you're not looking to go on forever. 
I think maybe mm-hmm. until the summer, last time I last time I saw you. And you would be keen to finish with a bit of a flourish. You put a few wins together recently. And yeah. if you could get a few more together, what are your chances of the board putting you in for a, for an area title fight, for example? Because, I mean, that would be, you know, you're, you're, that that would be a great way to go out, wouldn't it? Get a British Boxing Board of Control sanctioned title. Yeah. Uh, and it's something that a lot of, you know, the good, the really good level away corner fighters, um, some of them have managed to do that. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I've been sanctioned for it now. If, if I want to take the fight tomorrow, I can. Um, I've been sanctioned and all the paperwork's done. Um, but um, for me, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit of a, um, it's a bit of a rock and a hard place situation because I've got, what month is it now? I've got like six, seven months left on my medical. My medical expires on the 24th of June. That'll be the last day I'll ever fight. Um, so, between then and now, if I fight for the say I fight for the southern area, southern area in December or February, I've still got all these months left on my on my medical. So let's say I hypothetically I go and win that title, no one's going to fight me. The only people that are going to fight me is the big lads on the, the side with the big promoters or the all the hidden gems, the diamonds in the rough, who who are going to be absolute monsters and go on to massive cont- uh, title contention. Or I lose that fight, but put up a good fight. My stock rises. People are going, oh, he's just fought the seven area. He's 10 round fit. I don't want to fight him. I know he's tough. Um, but if I don't do that, I just keep on being a journeyman and playing the game for a few more months, then great. I'm going to earn some more money. I'm going to keep 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 relevant. I'm going to, I'm going to get as many fights as I can up until I finish in June. And then maybe, maybe, I've not decided yet, Maybe have a late late surge towards it. Maybe um, April, May next year, and go and go again next year. But I'll, for now, I'm not really interested unless it's a late notice, big money fight comes in for it. <laughs> <laughs> Rich, what about you? What what's are you formulating a plan of any kind? I like Pooch said. We've been offered a few of 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 these already. Uh, recently, especially after his recent form, and like we we chat, with, and I'm with Pooch. It's a, it, right now it'd be a poison chalice. I mean, it's difficult enough to try and get a fight for him when he's just winning on four four rounders and six rounders. If um, if he was to get the southern area and win it, we just might as well just throw the diary in the bin because we're going to get a phone call to be in a way fighter. He's he's, he's going to be a prime target for some of these these these, these killers that are out there. And if he if he does ten rounds, and he puts up a good fight, and he, he loses it on points. Like you say, you know the lads that are making debuts or two and 0, 3 and 0, five and zero or whatever, they can look at it and come hell no, you should put up a great fight in a ten round fight. We don't want any of that. You know, it's I mean we we had it fa- fairly recently. I had a fight agreed on um, back in early September for the first week of October. Pooch puts the wins together, and they blatantly turn around and say, "Find us another opponent. Don't want to fight him. He's winning." And I'm like, sorry. And they pulled the kid out of the show. We lost we lost a show. We lost money because the coach, I don't think it was the boxer, the coach didn't want to put his, his lad in with, with Pooch because Pooch was winning. Now, I think that's, I don't think that they should have a license if they're pretending to do that. Didn't even lie, say he's ill. Or just turn around and say, no, Pooch is, Pooch is on a roll at me. He's having a go. Don't want my lad in with him. Well, sorry, you should be a boxer then, should you? Especially professionally, if that's the case. That's ridiculous. So I'm, I'm, I'm with Pooch, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah, formulate a plan towards the end the end of the career, um, you know, sort of May time, 
Um, if Pooch fancies have, having a go, see where we're at, see if we get sanctioned for it, see who's, see who's potentially got the title, either at super middle or light heavy, and then um, make, maybe make a play for it to go out on a high. But I kind of kind of. That would be my hat and Hosazuno. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll all, we'll come to that. If you can, that would be that would be tremendous. And we'll put in a training camp for that one. Matt, it's it's interesting from our side, isn't it? Because you know we 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 know how it works. We know that when we see one of the away corner lads pull out uh, a big win, that their phone's going to stop ringing, and that ultimately financially, it's probably not the best thing for them, but. You still, you still love to see it, don't you? Because yeah, it's just, not, you know, this is sport, isn't it? This is sport at the end of the day, and and the best, the best fighter on the night should win. Yeah, and not necessarily uh, stop ringing either. Do you know what I mean? They might just think, all right, that prospect weren't that good because such and such one beat him. You know what I mean? So maybe, we, or we had a bad night. Maybe we do try and do get him a couple more wins, and we'll give him another go at him. You know, they, they need. To, People that are willing to step in at short notice, people that are willing to fight people who, on paper, they look out their depth against journeymen, away away corner fighters. We need them. Boxing needs them. If you didn't have them, boxing wouldn't last. How do you bring the prospect through? Do you know what I mean? How do you how do you create a start? You, you you need to, and you need them at different levels. Do you know what I mean? You need them at different levels as well. So I don't know. He, he I don't think that the phone would stop ringing. I just think they'd adjust. How they use him, who you know, who, what what level they match their. All right, all right, he's not he's not your first couple of fights, journeyman. He's someone when you're you know you're about eight and zero and you've got you found your feet a little bit maybe. So that's what I think would happen. That's what's happened to me this weekend, where uh, <clears throat> I had a couple of lads who are probably not at the level they could have fought, fought out this weekend. They've all pulled out, but this kid fancies himself. His team fancies him. And he's obviously at another level, and he's absolutely picked me apart. So that's 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 the only fuzz I've got at the moment in the, in the pipeline. I've got another tough one this weekend. I think uh, Josh Clark, his name is. He's stopped a couple recently, so he'd be, he'd be, he'd be probably trying to prove a point. So I have to have a, be on my game again. So and I suppose your manager's job is to kind of ask around if it is someone you haven't heard of. Try and he'll have his contacts. Have you heard of these kids? Is he any good at yeah, the I don't think anything to worry about with him. I don't anything to worry about too much, but uh, I think he, he's on a bit of a roll himself, so he'll, he'll be a bit between his teeth, so I'll just have to, I'll have to just turn up this time. I didn't really turn up last night either. I was felt a bit flat yesterday, so taking nothing away from Andre, by the way, but I wasn't myself last night, and to go in against someone at that sort of level when I wasn't really feeling myself was uh, was a bit, like I said, Richard's uh, uh, analogy, a poison chalice. Yeah, okay, chaps. Do, you know, do, do, do you know what um, obviously we all know John Pegg we know John Pegg very well and Peggy's always said to, said to Pooch and I that he'll match any of his lads with Pooch at, at the stages they're at and he's always turned around and said if they can't beat Pooch then they know where they're at in their mm-hmm. career going forward so he's never ever had an issue with putting Pooch in with, with any of his lads because he's always told his lads if you can't beat Pooch then you know where you're at in your own career at that moment in time. And, you know, you just kind of wish that other managers and promoters had that same sort of thought pattern, like what Matt was was, was alluding to earlier. Well, and then padding their record out for 10, 15 fights, 10, 15 wins, then come against someone, even in a 50, 50 fight and they get found out, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, and that we see that happening all the time. 
And it's um, to that kind of attitude. It's just a shame, like more managers and promoters don't have that attitude. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what happens? What happens? Sorry. Do you know what I think <laughs> happens there? It's when they get someone who sells loads of tickets. Yeah, is really popular, and they know they can't fight. Yeah, very well, well. so so they'll we, they'll just they'll, but they'll keep trying to keep them unbeaten because they want the journey to keep going because they're selling those tickets. Yeah, but we had that though, man, with a with a Peggy fighter. What was his name? Jordan, the geezer you knocked out in the first round. Lynch. Jordan Lynch, yeah. I mean, he was sold about 160 tickets that night, and Peggy was the same. And um, Jordan's hit Pooch, he was a southpaw, he pooch with a decent shot and thought he hurt him. So he so he started to unload. <laughs> And it was the biggest mistake he could he could have. Pooch just winged over a, a looping overhand right and just dropped him. No, no, I picked a step back and right up in the middle. Was it a step back one? Yeah, <laughs> but he dropped him. And like the referee, the referee's giving him every possible chance. So I, I'm looking at Pooch in the neutral corner, saying, "Just don't rush in, just calm down." And then the ref sort of walked towards me, and he stumbled his walk towards him and let him carry on. And I've looked straight into the corner. Nah, let him have everything, everything mm-hmm. you got. And he did, and he dropped him a second time, and like that was it. It was fight, fight was over. But he was a big ticket seller, and he did. When he was, I think he, when he was unloading on Pooch, Pooch was thinking, "Fuck this!" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's like, "This is too much. I'm, I'm doing too much work here." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, unwritten, the unwritten rule is: if you if you if you're not going to try and chin me, you're not going to try and knock me out, you're not going to try and hurt me. I'm nine out of ten. I'm quite happy to let you win. But the unwritten rule is: if you stop playing the game, I'm going to stop playing the game. And then you've got a bit of a bit of a scenario in our hands. And especially if they're not to the level they should they should be to beat me handily, then they've got a problem. Now that's it. You've you just you've just described the code there absolutely perfectly because this is something that is it is really as far as I've ever been able to understand unique to boxing because in boxing we arrange our own fixtures and you don't find yourself in one league and then you you get too good for that league and you move up to the next one. You have to do everything yourself, and that's why. That's why away corner fighters are so crucial. But that, like you say, that there, that is the that is the gentleman's agreement that you know, yeah. if you're not going to take any liberties with me, then we can have them move around, move around. I'll show you a few things, I'll push you hard, I'll you, you'll come out a better fighter for it. But if you're gonna, yeah, if you're gonna, if you think you're gonna, you know, take the piss with me, then you've got a big fucking surprise coming. <laughs> that, that's what happens. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you a quick story, quite funny, and I think the lads will relate to this. My second pro fight, right. I'm the live floats against the um, Manhattan Rosal. Anyway, I'm thinking, I'm looking at the, the down the corridor. I'm thinking, who am I fighting? Because I didn't, did, I didn't see him at the weigh-in. This was, this was when, uh, not necessarily they weighed in on on the day before. You know, like foreign opponents. This is 2001. So I'm thinking, who is he? You know, so I'm looking around, seeing this away corner. But there was a, it was the old Wembley Conference Centre. So there was a couple of away corners because they were really small. Um, anyway. <clears throat> You know, I'm looking at these Russians and that, and they've got the, there was a lot of East Europeans that time from Fondue. And, uh, you know, they just had Adidas shorts, blue Adidas <laughs> yeah, shorts or, or whatever, thing. you know what I mean? Or they, didn't, they just bought them from Sports Direct that afternoon. Yeah, yeah do you know, whatever. <laughs> anyway, I'm seeing, there's a guy across the changing rooms, across the corridor, down a little bit. And he's got, you know, these brand new boxing boots. He's got this dressing gown on. He had a fucking sponsor. I'm thinking... <laughs> Nah, it can't be him. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It can't be him. But I'm trying to look out for this name, trying to see who, who I'm fighting. Anyway, couldn't work it out. Couldn't see anyone. Couldn't match anyone up to the name. Something fucking else. So anyway, we're walking up the steps and uh, uh, Steve Murray had just boxed, um, I think it was one of the halls. And uh, 
he's coming down the steps and his face is fucking smashed to bits. His nose is over here. He's cut <laughs> under both eyes. He's bruised everywhere. Do you know what I mean? He's knocked him out at the end of the fourth round. Steve Murray has. And Steve Murray comes walking past. He's covered in blood, even though he won. I'm walking up the ste- steps. It's my second pro fight. And I'm thinking, and then I'm, oh, and then I'm, so I'm thinking, who am I boxing? You know, I, I, I think it was Ram Singh in my on pro debut. He had those Adidas shorts, you know, the ones <laughs> the journeyman at that stage are supposed to have. And probably yeah, yeah. a pair of trainers. Anyway, yeah. I'm get, I get into the ring. I'm seeing it's the guy who's across the way who had the dressing gown on and he was sponsored. And I'm thinking, fucking hell. <laughs> you know, I've got the blast of nerves got my stomach. I'm thinking, oh, mm-hmm. oh, 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 oh. Plus, I'd heard so many like stories over the years from people like the Ramses. And even when I was um, training the Lynches and we spent some McCracken and Roy Rutherford, you know, you know what I mean? I've heard some horror stories about strokes being pulled. So anyway, I'm in there. I knocked him out. It was fine. <laughs> but but do, do you know what I mean? I remember, yeah. I remember I remember feeling those nerves when I seen this guy with the shorts coming in and thinking, fucking hell, that ain't, that's yeah. not the uh that's not yeah, your normal yeah, journey, man. Yeah. It's only been my second pro fight, I've only been one round. So um, but yeah. I'm sure you sure you can relate to it. Yeah, big time. Big time. <laughs> Mondu, I remember him. Then with the days when he used to bring bring some of the lads over, he could bring some tricky lads over, wouldn't he? Yeah, definitely. Like you, you know, you because back then as well, before box reckon that it was harder to find out yeah. who certain people were. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was almost impossible. We had to know yeah. people, and they had to give you the information, and not everybody wanted to share that information. Oh no, you and hear some. Was- you hear some amazing stories from back in the day from America as well, where people would use aliases. Um, boxing different states. Bruce Strauss, he was he was famous for it. There's one famous story. I don't know whether it's apocryphal or not, but he ended up booking himself to fight against himself um, <laughs> because the the promoter, you know, that that was he'd forgotten that he'd agreed to a fight and under what name, and then he got rung to take the fight and he took it. And then he turned up at the way and then said, "Where's my opponent?" And they said, "It's this guy." And he just thought to himself, "Oh fuck, yeah. that's <laughs> me." <laughs> Um, it, it's, it's crazy stuff it's crazy stuff listen we could do this all night we really could I wonder did he, I wonder did he make the promoter still pay him his expenses <laughs> well I'd have thought so I'd have thought, I'd have thought so he weighed in and saw the dog so he should have got his full weight yeah I'd imagine he probably did I'd imagine he probably did it's you know there's, there's just some great strokes that have been pulled down the years um well, listen, thanks for doing this, lads. It's been really good fun. And Pleasure. we will definitely do another one. Um, we will check in after the 24th of June and see how things we'll keep an eye on it, obviously. We'll see you around, but and yeah. see how it all see how it all finished. Because I just I mean, there's gotta be some kind of film script that can we can manufacture here. You've got to go out <laughs> in the blaze of glory somehow. I mean, that just John Peck made yeah. a film about journeyman or something. Yeah, yeah I think he did. Well, yeah. No, he didn't. I think he. I think he had something to do with the uh, Paddy Constantine. It, yeah, that's it right. Was a film called Journeyman, but it wasn't about Journeyman. It was about a brain injury. Yeah, that's oh, right. Paddy he, Constantine. He did make one about. He did make a film himself, didn't he? About some, with Richard Woodall in it. I think I'm not sure. He's had I Richie think, in I a think few. It was about Journeyman. I'm sure it was. He's he's had Richie mm-hmm. in a few. He he did have an idea not that long ago, Macklin actually, to to do a kind of a spoof where. It was based around a a former kind of top fighter making a comeback, and he was going to ask you to do it, um, but he wasn't going to tell you it was a spoof. He was going to tell, <laughs> he was going to tell you it 
serious. So really, it was a fly on the wall film. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I've totally <laughs> fucked it now because I've just, I've just, I've just spilled the beads. But I don't think anything was ever going to come of it anyway. Um, we're right. all, we're, we're all playing the star role as a cant. Yes, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's basically it. John had thought about the whole treatment and everything, um, and he told me about it one day. And I said, and I did say to him, I said. Have you just gone away and kind of like dreamt all this up in your mad head, basically, just as this incredibly elaborate ruse, just to make Matt thing look like a cunt? Because it'll be funny yeah. for the rest of us. And he just said yes, basically. He loves a one-up. He loves a one-up. <laughs> he does. He does. Right, <laughs> lads. Thanks so much for this. Um, yeah, we'll catch you down the road very soon, yeah. I'm sure. And um, thank- um, what, are you at the Ali Pali? I might come down and watch. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll both be there. Yeah, on the 27th. On, I'm yeah. Over. Okay, excellent, excellent. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Um, we will catch you again soon. Hopefully, um, we'll get a couple at that show, actually, at the Alexandra Palace show. And then we're not too far away from Christmas, but we'll try and stock a few up uh, between now and Christmas so we can kind of keep going over that over that period if, if, if we can. We've been back two, three months now after what was quite an extended break, and we're really enjoying it. So, you know, we'll yeah. keep them coming. All right, take it easy, everybody. We'll catch you again Thank next you. time. Yes, that line falls on the right page, not that Maggie's back in Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.